like, uh, but we will be grateful, we'll be thankful. And yet I think today uh, in our life, in this period of our life, that we have an option. We have an option that can help turn around uh, our lives, turn around those around us, and we carry within us this tool, this, uh, this gift, and it's a gift of being grateful, of a gift of having a gratitude. The word in, in the uh, Hebrew and in the, in, the, in the Greek is charis, and it means to rejoice, to, to exhilarate joy coming out of us. How in the world, in a, in, in a mess sometimes we're in, can, can that come out, this extreme joy, this extreme uh, rejoicing that comes out? And, and then what are the effects of it? And today I would like to look at, there normally in the Christian life, at least in life itself, I believe sometimes we have, we have either one side or the other. You are either for God or you're not. Uh, there's two types of wisdom, James says. One wisdom is above from God, and the other is from the earth demonic. There's no middle wisdoms. There's no middle places to be, and, and so sometimes you have to choose this day who you will serve. And the same thing works, and it fits in, in this, that you and I are either going to have an attitude and a heart of gratefulness and of receiving and of acceptance, or we are going to have a heart of rejection and of complaining and grumbling and whining and murmuring. And there are direct results that happen in our lives and those around us because of it. And I, today I hope that I can uh, at least shed some light on some, some principles that I think, at least in my life, were some of the most impactful principles that I learned in my life. And it really had an impact uh, in my marriage. As I go back to when God began to kind of start revealing some of these things, and, and, I, and I have asked Nancy uh, in her life, I said, whatever made that difference where you kind of just made a turn? And, and she pointed to this, uh, this truth, this truth of being grateful and a truth of accepting and a, and a truth of being able to receive things and how do you do it? How do you actually, you know, nobody in here uh, gets up in the morning and says, today I'm just going to see if I can be as grumpy as I can. Uh, now, I, I don't know if you've ever remembered the movies, Grumpy Old Men. Uh, I literally thought that would have been fun to play. <laughs> you just get a chance to sit, literally express some things you just feel. And, uh, and yet, we're going to look at some things today to, to and I think will really be uh, enlightening. But I want to, to do something. There are circumstances that come in our life, and, and Paul in the book of Philippians, he says there are two types of circumstances. Those are circumstances that we ourselves bring upon ourselves. By choices that we make uh, that, that somehow have consequences to them, and they come upon us and then we experience the circumstances, the pain and the circumstances that come. And Paul referred to those, but he also referred to a word that there are circumstances that fall on you. There are ones that come on you. You didn't do anything about it. Even a little circumstance, Tom loses his voice. He didn't get up in the morning and choose that. It, it came upon him living in a fallen world. 
those circumstances come on you, and the truths that we're going to talk about today, they do apply to these circumstances, but I want to gear way more importantly on something, and you hear uh, numerous times, I know Ben has said this over and over again, I know that the teaching here all the way back through at least Dwayne Laughlin when he was here, that God is a God of relationships. And I believe if the principles that we see and the truths that we hear uh, are not applied to relationships, we miss so much. Because it says, I have passed from life to death because I have not loved the brethren. Uh, There's something about relationship that makes life all worth it. And so I'm going to try to focus mostly here with this heart and the spirit of gratitude and rejoicing and receiving as it relates to relationships. And we're going to use a few examples. I'll use a few from my life, but we'll use a few examples that have totally, totally reflected and uh, exposed these truths. Now, God says that we can have two different types And there's a contrasting type. He says, a joyful heart makes a cheerful face, but when the heart is sad or broken, the spirit is also broken. And that's Proverbs 15, 13. Also Proverbs 15, 15. All the days of the afflicted seem discouraging, but a cheerful heart has a continual feast. Proverbs 15, 30. Bright eyes will gladden your heart. And matter of fact, it puts health on your bones. A joyful heart is good medicine, but a complaining spirit dries up your bones. It dries up your bones. And you say, well, sometimes what do we have to be grateful for? What do we have to be thankful for? The people in my life, they seem to be causing more pain than anything. And I'm going to challenge you and me uh, on the way up here. I always do this when I, on my way up here. I've prepared. I've, I've looked at all the different scriptures. I've tried to apply them. But on the way up here, I say, okay, before I walk out here, who in my life do I need to apply this, at least begin the application of this before I get up here and talk to you? And there's always somebody uh, that comes to mind. And so we're going to look at some of these and look at them. Now, I'd like to start with a story. I am not going to go into a whole bunch of depth with this story. I'm going to challenge you to go back and just for yourself, get in the Scriptures and read uh, in the Old Testament. I want to start with a relationship with Jonathan and David. Now, we read the story, and, and sometimes when you read stories that you have heard and heard and heard so many times before, you missed the, the emotions of it. You missed the being there and the presence of it because we always look from the whole picture. But you got to take a look at this. Here is Saul, the king, and the rightful owner to be king after him is his son, Jonathan. Jonathan, this is how it always worked. And so Jonathan would be the rightful king. Everybody would assume he would become the rightful king. But what happens is God comes and anoints this absolute, off-the-charts shepherd boy, David, who according to even to his own dad, he didn't qualify. He didn't even list him when they asked, when, uh, when he was told that your son will be one of the ones that will take over the throne. He lists them and he says, is that it? And he goes, 
Oh, yeah, I forgot. Somebody's out there in the woods. Now, what I'm wanting you to see is mostly Jonathan's response. Now, David also begins to uh, apply this principle or this truth or this receiving uh, grateful heart. But I want you to look at Jonathan. Jonathan has the opportunity to apply uh, what the psalmist says in Psalm 109, verses 17. He says, because grumbling and complaining and murmuring was on their lips continually, then the grumbling and complaining effects began to seep into their body, like oil running over their body. And matter of fact, it says they even wore a belt, and the belt literally was complainer, whiner, cursor. Cursing was far from them because they felt things were not fair. This relationship was not fair. This person you gave me in my life is not fair. It's not what I bargained for. So there was a murmuring. And this, Jonathan had all the right in the world to do this. But instead, he took a grateful heart, a grateful attitude, one that was continually seeing something different that we cannot see with our own naked eyes. And he began to be grateful and thankful and received David as absolutely sent to him by God, being perfectly suited for him from God. And in doing so, numerous things began to happen in his life as also in David's life. And in doing that, I'm going to challenge you today that there's going to be one of three places that I'm going to ask you to learn to have a grateful attitude during this season. It moves right into the holidays. Uh, as Ben said, it moves into the Advent, the Advent where we're going to be celebrating different things. But you're going to have an opportunity where you sit today that one of three areas that you can say, okay, here's where I need to make application of this. I need to begin to apply this to my life. Having an attitude of joy. You know, it was interesting, the Proverbs I read you, when I went back and looked at the Hebrew words, and I'm not, I'm just saying this is what I saw. When it said it gladdens the heart, it, it makes a joyful face, literally what it said is the physical components of your face change. Have you ever been around people that just are giddy? They smile most of the time. They just, and all of a sudden, they, they look good. They actually look handsome. They look pretty. And then you have people that just, all the time, and it makes you kind of want to avoid those people. And it is amazing, and there's lots of times I have said this, and probably said it to some of you, when I see people that just carry a smile where I say, that smile just looks good on you. It does. And it's not fabricated, it actually is real. And so when you see Jonathan, you'll see that Jonathan begins to embrace David. He receives David. He receives with gratitude this person that takes the position that he was supposed to have as king, does not doubt it, but begins to receive it. Now I want you to understand something as we go on because this is impossible for us to do. 
He does not necessarily receive David on David's abilities. He receives David on God's ability. Come with me way back to the garden. And we go back to the garden with Adam. Now you gotta remember in the garden, Adam thought things were really already cool. He was walking in a daily experience with God. God not only walked with him, but inhabited him. He was what the Bible calls complete. He was whole. And things were all right. I mean, he was, he was there to see some of the magnificent uh, miracles that God did in creating things and producing fruit. And, and whatever it was that Adam had, that it, it just alluded to us, things were just pretty darn good. And God comes to Adam and says, Adam, it's just not good that you're alone. Now, first of all, you've got to understand, David didn't even, I mean, Adam didn't even know what that meant. He had no idea what he was talking about. And God, in his love for Adam, he said, Adam, I'm going to give you an assignment. I want you to go out, and, uh, and I've empowered you to be able to gather every animal and name every animal that's out here. And in the process of naming every animal out there, do you know what it says? It says he found that basically he did not have a partner. He now was made aware of him being alone. And so God takes him, cuts from him uh, a woman, basically called soft man, and brings her to him and presents her to him and his response was one of gratitude and receiving of, wow, wow, the, whole, the rest of me, the completer of me. Now, hold a minute. I'm sure she looked pretty darn good. But he did not receive Eve on the basis of who Eve was. He had never seen an Eve. He didn't have nothing to compare with. He received her and was grateful for her and had a spirit of gratefulness because of who God was. He knew God, and he knew that God had brought him something, so on the basis of who God was, he received. This is also what Jonathan did. Jonathan did not know much about David in this way. He basically received this new next king as from God. He did not look at David's weaknesses and his faults. He looked at God and said, the perfect man for the job because he has been anointed by Samuel to be the king and totally began to become grateful. Now, I give you that background because I want to uh, read some scriptures here, and then I want to give you at least some things that I have seen in my own personal life and in the lives of others and what I've seen the scriptures say what actually happens when you begin to develop a grateful attitude and what happens not only in your life but in the life of the person that you are expressing that gratefulness to. There are two huge effects that I believe are absolutely unexplainable. Here is one. When we apply that grateful heart that receiving heart, because you either receive or you reject. There's no in-between. Yesterday I was driving downtown and I saw an old, old man. And uh, he was 
having difficulty walking, uh, and I looked over, and I'd, his gait was a little bit familiar, and I looked, and I realized this was an old, old teacher of mine. It dated me after I saw how old he was. But I remember I was thinking of this message, and I said, you know what the interesting thing? I, I do not know anything about this person's spiritual life. But this was one teacher in my life that literally accepted me as I was. And because of that, I look forward to being in that class. I remember going to that, always eager to be there. I think the best of me came out because I was received. And I've also been in places where I have been rejected and in that rejection, I didn't want to be in the presence of the person rejecting me. And I think it stifled me in so many different ways. But here's the principle one. When we are grateful and we accept, the word says, to accept and receive totally this person, I believe we liberate that person that you're receiving to become all that they were intended to be in relationship to you. Now, I am not saying that you limit that person, and you and I have the ability of limiting a person from growing in faith. God and that person have that. You don't have that kind of power. But it liberates them to be, as a relationship with you, all that they were intended to be. This happened with Jonathan and David. David began to be to Jonathan, and Jonathan began to be to David more than you could ever imagine. It says, more than even a lover. They began to free them. And the more that that begins to take place, that person becomes free, and the more they become free, that now all of a sudden you're seeing that they're freed up, and now they're liberated, and they're no longer bound. A personal example that happened in my life a long, long time ago is I grew up with uh, a dad. He's since passed away. Uh, when my dad died, my dad was probably one of my best friends on this planet. But I grew up in, a, in kind of a, a tough time because my dad was an alcoholic. And he wasn't the alcoholic that sometimes would, would get drunk and then fall asleep. He was the alcoholic that would be drunk most of the days of his life. And I was always trying to do something of going and finding where he was in a bar and trying to get him in the car to bring him home before something would happen. And whether that was wrong or right, I just don't ask the questions anymore. But then uh, as we grew older and he began to have a little bit more control there, uh, there was just always a spirit of rejection that I had towards my dad because of his drinking problem. And these truths began to be unfolded in my life. And I thought, you know what? Let's give it a try here. And so I began to take the verses that have been laid out here, and it says, Receive ye one another in the same manner that Christ Jesus has also received you. And I remember saying, God, how, where was I when you received me? Where was I? Therefore, accept, receive one another just as Christ has received you. And I said, you know what? I was more than an alcoholic before you. I was a rebel against you. I absolutely lived 
isolated from you, and you embraced me, you received me, everything about me you took into yourself, and you said, now receive thee one another. I said, I'm going to try, I'm going to apply this to my dad, and I said, I'm going to receive my father in the same manner that God received me, and I'm going to start being grateful for him. I am not saying that his drinking and alcoholism was fine. I'm saying that I needed to receive. This is what I had on my plate. This is the father that I had. And I said, I can either reject him, which I've been doing, or I can receive him as a perfect, perfect father to me and what is needed in my life. And when I began to be grateful and thankful, and I, the moment I would start to be that way, something would unfold, and I would start to see neater things about my dad that I had missed. Just lots of things. Those that knew him pretty well, he was fun to be around. He had a great sense of humor. He was witty. He was clever. I had missed all of that being rejecting and being ungrateful. But the more I began to be grateful, the more I began to see I freed him to be to me the father that he could be to me. Not talking about the drinking, but the father. I remember my sister called me. I don't know if she's here or not. But she called me one time before she moved back, and she says, you know, she was a little leery of coming back because dad was here. And uh, she asked me about it, and I said, man, he's become my best friend. It's incredible what I'm beginning to see in him. She goes, well, when did he change? And I said, you know what? I'm not sure he did. I believe that as God gave me this truth of having a grateful heart and a grateful spirit, I believe that I now freed him, unlocked him to let him be and flow into my life all that a father could be for me, and I began to be free, but I set him free to become to me. And I would say he would probably have told you I was one of his best friends. But not only does it allow that person to be set free, the second thing that I think it does is as I receive and I embrace and I become grateful and grateful in my heart towards that person, it also begins to change things in my life that I have attempted to change most of my life. But now as I begin to receive them, I now begin to change. Let me stretch this into the present. I don't know if my wife's here, so I can go ahead and be free here too. Uh, I've had an issue my whole life, and I've explained it away, and I've always had verses to explain everything away with my wife, which has never gone over well ever. Uh, I am very prudent, and I'm very good at being in the right place at the right time. If you ask me to be there, and it's me, I will be there a little early. I will be there at the time. I can, I can get time pretty down to an art. I know how long it takes to get somebody, and I'm usually pulling up on time. Not my wife. And matter of fact, my wife will be late for her funeral. She'll she'll. she'll come late. And I have tried to change her every way possible. I've even told her how rude it is and how unpolite and how disrespectful it is. And I have told her everything, and it has helped zero in 44 years. 
And I'm still in the process, but I can either reject her for that behavior, and I'm not saying the behavior's right or wrong, that's between her and God, or I can just begin to embrace her. This is the woman that I have, and if I'll just start to receive her and quit trying to change her where she's constantly being changed with verses being misused and spiritual abuse thrown on her, and just receive her and maybe even say, "Hun, anything I can do to help you get ready rather than being in the car revving it up. (laughs) And the more that I begin to do that, the more relaxed she gets. The more I get to see kind of who she was designed to be for me. And that woman can absolutely, absolutely blow me away of how God knew what I needed. I'm seeing things about her I never, ever, ever saw when I said yes at the altar. But here's one of the things it's slowly doing. Now, please don't hear something I'm not saying. I also have a sin of relational idolatry. I like people to think well of me. That's okay to want like it, but sometimes I need it. I'm a people pleaser, and I don't want people to be displeased. So as I'm going along and George invites me and Carol invite me to their house, I don't want to show up late and have them be disappointed in me. So I'm on time, a lot of times not because I'm so thinking of the other people, but I'm on time because I don't want you thinking poorly of me. Put that together with Nancy. And so I end up late at many events. I learned over in Europe, when you go over to Europe, they, they're not so anal by this thing. They say, uh, you want to get together? Yeah, let's get together Wednesday morning. That means Wednesday morning. We get together, at, well, let's get together at 7.51 and 13 seconds over here because we got to be in a hurry. You see, I have tried and attempted numerous times to let it be okay that somebody thinks poorly of me, as long as God doesn't. And I try, and I fail, and I try, and it seems that your opinions sometimes mean more than what God's opinion. And even though I'll take Ephesians 6, 6 and say, not by way of eye pleasers as rendering service unto men, but rendering service unto the Lord, for God alone is my audience. Even though I try that, It just doesn't seem to work, and I try to change it. I've got to be there. But being married to Nancy and accepting her and receiving her and being grateful for who she is and her little idiosyncrasies that she has has made me be able to get to a place where I have no choice but to say, God, you're the one that matters. It is effective in people's lives. It's effective in others. It frees those people to become everything. And the scripture says that no good, or see, everything created by God is good. Nothing is to be rejected. It's always to be received with gratitude. Owe nothing to anyone except to love one another. For he who loves his neighbor is fulfilling the entire law. For love does no wrong to anyone. And I love this. It says that, therefore, receiving one another as Christ has received you. But it says, every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above 
coming down from the Father of lights in whom there is no variation of shifting and shadows. And that basically means this, that everything in your life, every person in your life, your boss, your children, your parents, your spouse, your, your brothers, your siblings, your church members, your parishioners, your pastors, your preachers, your musicians, those are all perfect gifts came down from God for the very purpose to do a work in your life. You can reject and complain and murmur and gripe about them and, and, and get in your circles and gripe, or you can say, God, how about we at this season start developing a spirit of gratefulness and let me begin to receive who you have placed in my life and let's let it have its full effect in my life. And I promise you, you will not be disappointed. It will transform your relationships. It will free that person to become to you all that you desired. Tom's here. Uh, Tom's the one up here, the musician that didn't have a voice today. Tom knows the story, so I think I have the freedom. When I first came to faith, I was obnoxious, uh, to say the least. I, I tried to share Christ with, with anybody that moved, and I didn't do it in a really gentle way. He says, I don't believe this, that I took a match, lit it, and burned his arm and said, that's how hell will feel. <laughs> I think he's delusional, but it's... That was a true story. Okay, okay. He says that's true. I don't know about that, but he says it's true. Well, at the meanwhile that I'm growing in this, Tom is headed in the other direction. He's hairing out. He's kind of using drugs. He's playing music. He thinks he's from Europe. And he's, uh, and he's playing drugs. And the more that he was playing like that, I began to be irritated with him. And I had to live next to him. And it's like I would just look at him and say, oh, that guy just bugs me. And I would think, oh, my gosh. And I was developing, I was developing almost a hatred because I was either receiving Tom or I was rejecting him. And at that time, he was being rejected and he was experiencing that rejection. But something began to happen, and God began to show something, and the more that I began to be embracing him, that this is a neighbor that I have, and this is a person you've placed in my life, and as we began to see that unfold, and not only that I say, can I say today that that person has had great impact in my life as I began to be grateful for him, receive him. All of his little, he still has the same junk that he had back then, and I have the same junk I had. When I stop trying to change him and begin to receive him, this is Tom. And he's perfect for me in my relationship. It is amazing. I think in his life, he would say it has freed him to be himself around me, never feeling judged. I don't think ever feeling judged by me. It freed him. And the things that I would have changed about him, God has used to make a difference in my life. And now I can say he's one of my best friends on this planet. That happened in this principle of applying a grateful spirit, a grateful receiving spirit rather than a rejecting, complaining spirit. And in Psalm 109, I said that because they love cursing, because they love complaining, because they love murmuring, the murmuring and the cursing began to come upon them to where that person began to be a curse to them. He said, and blessing was far from them because they wouldn't bless with their tongue and they wouldn't bless with their heart. So I'm challenging you in three areas of your life. We'll be real quick with this. 
You've got one of three areas that I encourage you to apply this grateful spirit. Number one is that we have to begin first by doing this, that Jesus died for you and you have a chance to either reject what he did or you have a chance to receive what he did. And the receiving means to take fully into yourself that which was done for you. And if you will receive that, you have the right now to become children of God. So you have, first of all, to settle that issue. Have I accepted and received and grateful for Jesus Christ? And have I embraced him into my life? And if so, then the living God comes and inhabits your life and you begin to be whole. And I promise you this, what he can do for you is off this planet. You will absolutely be marveled. The scripture says, I will create a wonder in you that will never, ever be satisfied. It's a wonder. God says, all things have been created for you to see. Things we have no idea are out there. That's one. Here's number two. If you've made that decision, then something happened to you and me. We have been crucified with Christ. We have been nailed to the cross with him. We have been buried with him. And that old man says, consider him dead. But many of you will not receive that person who you are, and you need to embrace what God did when he transformed you into this new creation, made beautiful after the, the righteousness of God. Many of you have never received you. You've rejected yourself because of your own little idiosyncrasies. You look in the mirror, and you're trying always to complain and murmur about yourself. Maybe you need to apply this grateful attitude towards yourself. And sometimes it's good just to take the, the uh, example of just standing in front of the mirror and just say, God, I am grateful for that person you've made me to be. And all of its little quirks. I sometimes rarely will listen to myself after I've talked because I have a hard time listening to myself. And so sometimes I have to listen to myself and say, hang in there. Okay. Receive, that's who you are. Why, well, I know, but I wish I presented it different. I wish I was more like this person. And I need to receive me. Because if I don't receive me, I will not be grateful or receive you. And then the third thing in closing today is this. Somebody in your life you are rejecting. You have not been grateful. You've been more complaining and grumbling and whining about somebody in your life. And I would ask you to do this. Put that person on the altar and say, God, this is what I've done. I agree with you that I have not received them as your perfect gift into my life. I have rejected them, and I've been trying to change them for a long time. Put them up there and say, God, let's give this a shot. And the thing is, if you'll do that, you're going to see something happen. In closing, this is an illustration that just drives me crazy. I used to play baseball. And something that just irritated me, you've probably been one of the irritators if you've been at a game. And the pitcher is out there pitching, and he's having a hard time throwing strikes. So what do we yell at him? Throw strikes! You think the guy's not trying to do that? Oh, I never thought of that, to throw a strike. I've walked the last three not even thinking I should have thrown a strike. Unbelievable. Or this, be happy. 
oh, no, I just think I don't want to do that. I'm just going to give it a shot. We tell people all these things. Well, stop worrying. If you're worrying about something, let me just tell you. Stop worrying. How's it work? It doesn't. There is some things that make it possible to make it happen. If you want to be wise to the pitcher, go out to the pitcher and say, hey, you're taking, your stride is way too deep, and that's what's making the ball go up. Shorten your stride a little bit. I think we'll be able to bring the ball down, and that's a little more effective. Three things that I think are absolutely essential for you to be able to apply what I've talked about. And if you don't understand these things, you won't apply it. You'll just have heard this message, sounded good, uh, but you won't be able to do it. Number one is this is about a relationship between you and God. If you don't know God as loving, that his loving kindness is filled with mercy, and if you don't know God, that he is sovereign, that means he didn't get shocked who your parents were. He didn't get shocked when out of the womb came somebody and said, oh my, that person wasn't supposed to go to that home. God's sovereign, he's in control. He's in absolute control. All the people in your life, he knows about it, and he's in control. He's sovereignly in control, and he's a loving God. And then the third thing is, and don't try to make it be so quick here. You and I were never made for this earth. We have another land that we're going to. And this may be all about that next kingdom and that other land. And if you can embrace those three things, you will be able to then move on in to have a grateful spirit to every person that comes into your life. And you will set people free around you. And when you do that, you become attractive in every way. Your face changes, your body changes, your health changes. Pray with me. Father, you already demonstrated this perfectly to us. You received us, and we were a mess. There's so many things you could have changed about us, and you just took us as we were. And I pray that we would be able to do the exact same thing in other people's lives. And we're going to trust you to make that possible. Amen. Amen.